pray together. Well, God, you are the almighty one. That's a, that's a word we throw around in church. It's one that we say when we pray to you, almighty. So all powerful, omnipotent, you're God. And um, anything is possible with you, you're able to do that which uh, you desire to do and um, you have desired to pay attention to us, which is an amazing thing. And so um, as we are gathered here in your presence, as we consider who you are and the fact that all the power that belongs to you, power that's created this universe and so much more beside you, the Almighty One, hear our prayers. And so we don't enter into uh, this, um, this conversation with you lightly. We don't desire to. We don't want to take it for granted. We want to recognize that uh, we are in the presence of Almighty God. So when we bring these requests to you uh, and when we offer our praise and thanksgiving, um, this, this matters. This isn't just a throwaway uh, kind of little thing we do on Sunday morning. So we've um, had a few folks that have come forward today with things that they want to place before you, so we place them there before you. Pray for Rick. We're, we're glad that you've brought him to where he's at and, uh, and the job that you've given him, and he's been willing to work hard and, um, and to sacrifice, work, work crazy hours, uh, third shift and uh, second shift, whatever it is. He's, he's, he doesn't sleep right, and so uh, it messes him up on the weekend, and uh, he's been willing to do that, but now an opportunity exists, perhaps for him to to, to kind of live like a normal person, and so uh, we lift that to you. Now, whatever you decide, we, we're going to praise you for it. We would really love to praise you that he, you, he, he gets a job um, on first shift, and uh, that that would be able to help he and Alicia as they, uh, as they work in the same place and as they more importantly, share life together. So we lift that to you. We, we ask that um, your will would be done. For Nick, lift his uh, housing situation with you, the decisions that he has to make. There's some uh, possible transition points here coming up, and uh, you, you care about that. You, we care about each other. You care about us more than we can imagine. So we, we're, we're grateful for what, Nick has been doing the past uh, couple of years now um, and opening a, a, a home to invite people in and um, God, that whatever uh, might be around the corner here, it looks like the, the, the situation they have now is going to change. And so, uh, God, give wisdom. You tell us if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you give wisdom. So if you're almighty and you've promised that, then uh, we expect that it's going to happen. So allow Nick to receive the wisdom and allow us as we work together with him as he seeks counsel to have wisdom for him to know what to do. 
God, it's good to be here this morning. Thank you for gathering us. Thank you for bringing us. It's not an accident. And um, for all the things that we've shared with one another and, and those things that we haven't shared but are on our heart, you see, we lay them all before you now. And it, we, we ask that you'd help us as we place before you our, our thoughts, our concerns, the people that we care about, our situations and our very lives as we place them before you this morning and expect from you to receive a message from your spirit. We ask God that we pay attention to what you're about to do as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So help me out here. We're going to use our imagination. We've been doing this past few weeks here. I'm going to ask you to imagine something today. Eyes closed, open, whatever you want to do. I, I want you to imagine a tree. Think about a tree. And whatever tree comes to mind, whatever it looks like, that's your tree, okay? Think about a tree, and uh, I want you to now focus on that tree and place it in some kind of natural setting, all right? So you're thinking about more than just the tree now. You're thinking about the surrounding area, okay? I, I know, is that, is that hard to do? Are there any trees in your life? I know if, it, if it's a stretch, work with me. Think of a tree in a setting, all right? And in that setting now, I want you to look on the horizon as we open up this picture and there's a storm coming, all right? So there's a storm on the horizon. It's blowing in. I want you to fast forward that storm. I want you to see it come rolling in over your setting and over that tree. And now that tree is blowing in the wind. It's blowing hard, okay? And it's bending and, and the boughs are, are blowing in the wind, but the tree is standing and that storm blows over. And I want you to imagine that storm now blowing over and then the clouds are thinning and then through the clouds, the sun breaks through and shines on that setting and shines on, on the tree. And the tree has stood firm in the storm. So if you can imagine that, you can imagine God's desire for you. And God's desire for me, God's desire for us, for his people, he wants us to be a tree that can weather the storms of life. So with that, uh, with, with that thought, with that scenario that just kind of played out in your imagination, hold that as we talk about uh, what is now the last in our little series here of our, our, our motto as a church. What we're saying is uh, the, the, the little phrase that we put together to kind of describe what it is that we need to be about as a church, that we need to be a gospel community worshiping, serving, and growing together. The past several weeks, we've looked at the gospel, we've looked at community, we've looked at worship, we've looked at service. So now we're going to look at growth, okay? And what does it mean to grow as a Christian, grow as a body? What is growth? the growth that God desires for us to experience. And thinking about a tree is going to help us understand what growth is. Psalm, uh, Psalm 1, first three verses. We read the whole chapter earlier. It's not a long chapter. We're just going to look at three verses this morning. And we're going to, to look at it 
as, as a uh, description of the three elements of growth that God desires us to experience as we uh, develop as his people and as the, as the body of Christ. So Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who meditates in his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. I'm going to stop right there for now. I want us to make a few observations from these verses. So obviously there's a word picture of a tree, okay, and we're going to break that down a little bit. But before we do, the first two verses lead up to that picture, and it, it describes a couple of things that I want us to pay attention to. In verse 1 there, it, it talks about not walking in step with the wicked, not standing in the way of sinners, and or sitting in the company of mockers. One underscore that word company, all right? This, this is the idea of, of, uh, of people, the company that we keep, okay? And there's some examples of company that we shouldn't keep. And so first question we want to ask ourselves is what is the company that we keep? Whether it's virtual company or otherwise, right? Because there's friends that are in, in our vernacular that are more than just people that we actually meet face to face. And uh, the, the company we keep virtually online or what we, the, what we kind of um, surround ourselves with or the company we keep in terms of those that we choose to be around. All right, this has to do with the company we keep. And as we're talking about the church, the church is a community. We need to be a certain uh, type of company that we need to, uh, to exemplify certain things. And certain things in distinction from the company that's being described here. Because it talks about the wicked, the sinners, and the mockers. All right, so let's talk about some of that language, especially the word sinner. A couple weeks ago, we were looking at John 4, we were looking at the woman at the well, and we talked about, as we were talking about, um, you know, how we can tend to put people in a box and say those big bad, this big bad world out there with those nasty people, they're, they're out there, we're in here, we're the good people, and they're the bad people. And that's, that's not a good picture of how we need as the church to be, uh, to be focused. See, we're, we're all in, in that category of sinners, the way the Bible uses it. But that word sinner, we think of it, and we think of it as a judgmental word, and certainly it can be used that way. Then the Bible also uses the word saints, right? And those are the two different camps of people, the sinners and the saints, and we tend to think of it, the sinners, are they're, they're the bad people. The saints are the good people. But that we need to get beyond simply that kind of 
thought process as we read the Bible because we'll get into a trap about how we think of people. You see, it's more a matter of focus, and we can think of it in terms of focus. Sinners and saints, the differentiation, as it's used in the scripture, is, is what is our focus? What are we focused on? Because one of the words, the kind of word pictures in the Bible that the word sin in the original languages was meant to convey is uh, if you can imagine someone with a bow and arrow shooting at a target, right? And they shoot at the target, but they miss, all right? That's the word picture of sin. They've missed the mark, okay? They didn't hit the bullseye. And so the idea is not just that they tried to hit it, but miss, but that they had a wrong aiming point and, and they missed. They hit what they were shooting for, but that wasn't the thing that they should have been focused on. They've missed the mark. And the psalm itself, as it goes on, it talks about uh, the different paths that people can follow. And um, one path leads to destruction. It misses the mark. The other leads to prosperity. So sin is, has to do with a focus that is going to ultimately be unprofitable. It misses the mark. Why? Because it's not what God wants us to focus on. That's the path of the sinner. The path of the saint is not that the person is better than anyone else, but they've got the focus on God. And saint has the, the idea in the Bible of uh, of another big word, sanctification, of being set apart. That, these are God's people, okay? Not that they're better than anybody else, but they're God's people and they're focused on the right path. And what is the focus? It says they meditate on his law, on the Bible, on God's truth, day and night. And then, with that in mind, this focus that God's people are focused on God and seeking to follow his path in distinction to all the other voices that might be out there that miss the mark, that might take us the wrong way if our focus is on God and we're moving toward him. That gives us certain characteristics. It makes us like a tree. And, and let's look at these three characteristics that are laid out for us. Number one, a tree is planted. That gives the idea of rootedness. The tree is by streams of water. That is, it is nourished by the life-giving water that saturates the ground. And it yields its fruit. That is, it grows to maturity so that it then is able to reproduce and yield Rootedness, nourishment, maturity. Let's take a look at each of them one at a time. I don't know what tree you imagined, okay, but you can think of your tree or think of a tree, a tree planted, a tree that is rooted. This image... The agricultural image uh, is, is throughout 
scripture. There's, there's uh, tons and tons of passages that we could look at that help us il- help illustrate what God desires to do for us as his people in terms of uh, thinking of agriculture and thinking of how things grow. Um, Ephesians 3, verses 16 through 18, is one of those passages. Ephesians 3, verse 16, Apostle Paul prayed for the church and, and, and said this in his prayer. Ephesians 3, verse 16, he says, I pray that out of his, God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. Paul prayed some pretty dense prayers full of some pretty rich meaning. So through the Spirit and through Jesus, Paul prays that God's people would understand in their heart the love of God and that that would be a a rootedness that would allow them to get to know God more and more and more. We talked earlier as we've worked through our little mission statement here that we're a gospel community, worshiping, serving, growing together. We talked about the gospel a few weeks ago. Gospel is, the gospel, is, it's good news. It's, it's a good news that Jesus has made the kingdom of God, has made heaven available to us right now. Jesus brings heaven to earth when we accept his sacrifice and the spirit comes to indwell us. Heaven comes to earth, that's good news. That's the, 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 uh, the soil, if we can imagine, the soil in which God's people need to be rooted. The good news that God loves us so much he gave his son. Because of his son's sacrifice, we can receive the spirit. We can be grounded rooted in that good news. So if you think back to what I asked you to imagine earlier, think of that storm. Think of that storm rolling over the landscape. Think of that tree being buffeted by the storm. Maybe it lost some leaves if it was a hardwood or pine needles or whatever, if it was a soft, whatever it was. Maybe it was a palm tree. Maybe on a, a chillier uh, day, you're thinking warm thoughts. I don't, whatever you thought, maybe, maybe some stuff got blown out, but the tree stood firm. Why? Because it was rooted, right? Because it was rooted in the ground. And, and I said it a couple weeks ago, I'll, I'll say it again, is I have the opportunity and privilege, really, to kind of walk into people's lives very often at, at very difficult points in their life and experience uh, along with them, not certainly to the extent that they experience, but I get that front row seat of whatever it is that they're experiencing, of the storms of life that comes uh, washing over them. When somebody has 
a true and living faith in Christ so that they have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference there than folks that don't. That doesn't mean that they're the folks that don't are the big bad people, the sinners, and the other people are, are the saints, meaning the good people have figured it out. No, it's, it's a matter of focus, right, in this relationship that when we have this relationship, when the storms of life come, we're rooted, and it keeps us from being uprooted. And so if we desire to grow as a, as, as members of the body of Christ. It isn't that we need to just kind of add a little bit of Jesus to our lives, kind of like sprinkling tinsel on a Christmas tree so that it kind of you know, makes things sparkle once a year. We need to be rooted in Jesus. We need to be rooted in the Spirit. We need to be rooted in the good news that God desires to give us a firm foundation. And if we are, then if we're planted in that soil, we can begin to grow. We need to be rooted in the gospel, a tree that is rooted. The metaphor goes on, doesn't it? It's a tree planted or rooted by streams of water. Water, rivers, springs, streams, wells, just like the agricultural metaphor and plants and crops growing is a, uh, is, is a powerful metaphor that works its way all through Scripture beginning to end, so is the, uh, the, the uh, metaphor of, of life-giving water. It's a metaphor of God's um, desire for us. And it, it gives us this picture of nourishment, right? Uh, what happens if you grow want to grow a plant? You've got a plot, potted plant in your, uh, in your home, or in your office, in the chaplain office where I work with the National Guard in Concord, um, the, the, my assistant has a potted plant that she, uh, she has there in the window, and she takes care of it. Well, she went away for a couple weeks and uh, forgot to take care of it, and it didn't look so good. And then she came back, and she watered it, and it picked up. We, we get it, right? A plant needs... Water needs nourishment. Not, not only that, but we know that as, um, as human beings, we can get dehydrated, right? We need, we need nourishment. We need water. We need to, uh, to take in this nourishment. Otherwise, we shrivel up. We don't feel so good. And if we go without it too long, we can actually die. This idea of nourishment, spiritual nourishment, that's the picture of this, this tree planted, rooted by streams of water. The water soaks into the ground, soaks into the soil, and the nourishment is able to be absorbed by the roots. And so then the tree can grow. One of the places where this idea of water as being a metaphor for God's, uh, God's, God's, 
spiritually nourishing us is in John chapter 7. And in John chapter 7, Jesus went to the temple with his disciples and he was having a conversation with the people that were gathered there. And he uses, not for the first time nor the last time, he uses the uh, picture of uh, he himself as providing spiritual nourishment through this metaphor of living water. So in John 7, verse 37, says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, the festival of tabernacles there in Jerusalem, and they were gathered in the temple. On the last day, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. By this he meant, the, excuse me, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive up to that time. The Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Just like Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that through Jesus and through the Spirit would be rooted and grounded in the love so that we can uh, grow in that love and know God's love more and more. So now the, the, the Son promises the Spirit who will be living water within those who receive him and have a relationship with him. This idea of nourishment that comes from God. That picture earlier of the, the, the um, tree that was being swept by the storm that you imagined. That tree, hopefully, wasn't a sickly, dried-up tree that was almost dead, right? It's a tree that was strong because it had been nourished. Well, this metaphor, uh, like I said, runs all through Scripture, and it, it, we, we see it at the very end of, of Scripture in, in uh, Revelation 22. Starting in verse 1, Revelation 22.1, the, the, the vision of heaven is laid before us. It says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. So there's a picture of heaven. There's God seated on the throne. There's this river that is flowing from the very throne of God, a picture of God providing nourishment. And then it goes on and it says, On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. So we, we got a river and a tree. So this, 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 we're seeing that this uh, pops up all the time. In fact, where does it first show up? It shows up in Genesis 1 in the Garden of Eden, right? So this is. God's trying to give us a picture here, I think. Something that we can focus on. It says, no longer will there be any curse, verse 3. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. When we truly understand what it is to receive the nourishment directly from God, who is the source of, source of true 
spiritual nourishment. Again, our focus is not distracted so that we miss the mark, but we're focused on the throne of, of God. And that, that is our direction. And even though we imperfectly follow that direction, it's our focus nonetheless when we receive the nourishment that comes from God, living water that, that uh, springs up in our very soul when we keep our focus and our attention by God's Spirit on Him. When we do that, we serve God. His servants will serve Him. What did we say earlier when we work through this whole idea? A gospel community, worshiping, serving, growing together. Remember we talked about worship? And, and worship is, is that which we do, a, a, an outward action that springs from an inner attitude, that water that springs up by the Spirit, causes us to do something. We worship. And so that idea of worship as we focus our attention on God focuses us upward. We grow. From the soil of the gospel in which we're planted, we then grow up as we worship God. A tree planted by streams of water, which then does what? It yields its fruit in its season. It grows to maturity. As we said past few weeks as we've talked about worship there's two sides to worship right two sides of the one coin it's worship and service worship that inner attitude of devotion to God that that results in outward actions of service revelation 22 3 his servants will serve him we're truly worshiping the Lord it results in service toward one another that's this idea of yielding fruit. So John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said this. He's not talking about a tree here, but he's talking about a grapevine, and the, the image is the same basic metaphor he says Jesus says I'm the vine you're the branches if you remain in me and I in you you'll bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing see uh, a full grown fruit tree or a full grown tree of any kind if it doesn't produce seeds, if it doesn't produce fruit, if we imagine a fruit tree, a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit, that's a barren tree, right? It may look like it's fully grown. It may be big. It may look good, but if it's not producing fruit, it's barren. Same with a, a, a grapevine. If, if the, the vine grows, but it doesn't produce grape, then there's something wrong with the vine, right? And so it's possible to have this, the whole idea, the whole outward image of being mature, of being grown, of, of 
going through the actions, but if we're not producing fruit, Bible says that there's something wrong. Uh, uh, a mature tree yields fruit. And what is that fruit? Well, it's tempting. It's certainly common to be described in this way. When we talk in terms of church growth, certainly in America, we talk about how many people are showing up on Sunday morning, right? And so I, we can look around and we can say, we got room for a few more, right? It'd be nice, be good if we could see some more people uh, not against that. However, church growth, might that, that might be something that comes to mind. But in, in the Bible, when it talks about growth, when the, this process that we've talked about, about being rooted in the gospel, about worshiping God, about serving one another so that we grow and bear fruit, bearing fruit is not just about getting more people to fill seats, although it'd be nice not against that, but... That's not what the Bible talks about. A few weeks ago, Nick told us what it is about when we were back in Ephesians looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And, um, and I think you were talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I wasn't here. If, but regardless, if he didn't talk about it or not, uh, it's a good thing that when we talk about growth when we talk about producing fruit, Galatians 5 is the fruit that God wants us to produce. Galatians 5, 21 through 23 says this, the fruit of the Spirit, okay, so is any confusion about what it means to, when Jesus said, if we remain in him, we'll bear much fruit. There was any confusion about what Psalm 1 talks about when it talks about it, it yields its fruit and its season. If there's any confusion about what it means to grow and come to maturity, we, we've got some clarity here in, in, uh, in the word of the Lord, which needs to be our focus. If we don't want to miss the mark, what's the, what's the uh, um, characteristic of maturity yielding fruit? Galatians 5.21, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now read those again. Fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just hearing those words, is there something nourishing about thinking about those characteristics? Could our world do with a little bit more of these characteristics? Could our churches do with a little bit more of these characteristics? Could our lives do with a little bit more 
of these characteristics. You see, as, as we allow ourselves to be nourished by the gospel, to worship God, to serve one another, we, we grow and produce these things, not because we're better than other people, but because that's the direction we're headed. We're headed to the throne of God, the gospel, the good news, that throne of God intersects the world in our lives and heaven comes to earth through Jesus and the Spirit so that when those storms blow, they come rolling in. The tree doesn't fall, but stands firm. One more thing as we close I want you to do. I want you to imagine that picture you thought of earlier, the tree and whatever setting with the storm rolling in and then breaking and the sun shining through. Was that tree all by itself, like out in the field or something? I kind of set you up. I said, think of a tree. It's kind of hard to see a tree when it's in a forest, right? But does God want us to be a singular tree all by herself out in a field? No. He wants to be a forest of trees. He wants us to be an orchard of trees. He wants us to be the church. He wants us to be together. So when those storms blow, we're not taking the full force of the storm together. We're taking it as God's people. Gospel community, worshiping, serving, growing together. Let's make our focus the throne of God, and let's be that people. Let's pray together. So God, we are grateful for the, for the image that you give us to follow you. We, we ask that you'd help us. It's easy for us to get sidetracked and go astray. We need one another, and you've designed us to be so, and so we ask that you would cause us to be rooted and grounded in your love and love one another as we worship you and cause us to bear fruit that you'll be pleased with. As we go to your table now, help us to remember we're nourished by the sacrifice of Christ. So help us to taste what we can't fully understand as we receive uh, from, the, from the bread and from the cup a reminder of all that you've had, you've had to do to make us part of your family. We pray in Jesus' name.